I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And day number two, live at the NFL Scouting Combine, gets going a little bit later today. So our man on the scene joins us. He covers the Colts and the NFL for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. Mr. George Bremer. George, what's up, man? How's it going? So late day today at the Combine because it's just player interviews and all of that stuff. And we'll talk all about the whispers about player interviews and all of that later in the week. They're doing physicals, so I'm sure there'll be interesting information filtering out. But this is sort of a light day from a news perspective. The big news in Jets land, of course, revolves around Lake and Tomlinson going to be released by the Jets. That will save the Jets about $8 million. They will take about a $10 million cap hit. This ended up being a really bad signing. It's sad because Tomlinson's a good dude who stayed healthy, worked hard. He just didn't perform to the level of his contract, not even close. Forget about Pro Bowl guard. He was one of the worst starting guards in the NFL the last couple of years. And so now he moves on and the Jets will move on and we'll see what they do here. As of now, the placeholder, I assume, would be Wes Schweitzer, who was the backup last year. Although he is, of course, coming off an injury, just like almost every member of the Jets offensive line. George, this is such a disaster. And I know that there are people that are going to say that a lot of it comes down to luck and some of it does. But when you're a general manager, you have to be better at putting together an offensive line than this, especially when the offensive line is your calling card. Yeah, absolutely. Injuries have played a part. But you look at it five years in and you compare it to what happened with the Colts. Remember, the Colts finally rebuilt that old line. But by that point, the damage had been done with Andrew Luck. But look at how much better the Colts were with that offensive line intact than when they had the offensive line in shambles. The Jets now as of this moment, now obviously this will change in free agency in the draft, have two guys that are pretty much penciled in as starters on the offensive line. Elijah Vera Tucker and Joe Tipman. And Elijah Vera Tucker has missed 22 of his last 34 games. So Tomlinson, the only durable member of the line, who is bad and deserved to be released, don't get me wrong, out the door. The Jets are going to need three starting caliber offensive linemen now, and maybe really four because with Elijah Vera Tucker having missed so many games the last two years, you have to have a really strong contingency plan Joe Douglas has his work cut out for him this offseason in free agency in the draft. 
there's no question. But I think, you know, a big part of that too. Yeah. Luck plays into it with health and, and things like that, but you've got to hit those big signings. When you put big money on a player on the line, it's got to deliver. And I think, you know, again, with the Colts, when you look at that 2022 swoon that they had, one of the biggest problems they had is that the, the best paid players on that line, the guys that they were leaning on the most were the ones that were making some of the biggest mistakes. And you just can't, I think more than any other position, that one you absolutely can't miss because you see what happens. You end up eating that money and, you know, now you've got to replace him. And so that's either draft capital or another contract that's not going to be cheap that you've got to bring in. And I think that's where it all starts. When you miss on the big money guys, it it becomes a sinkhole really, really quick. And as we know, George, getting good offensive linemen in free agency is very, very difficult. And now people are talking about Carter Warren, the third round pick from last year, who was not very good. Now he's got raw tools, and so he'll get an opportunity to compete, I would assume, with somebody they bring in that's a veteran and have a chance to earn a starting job. But based on what we saw last year, it's a bit of a leap, and you certainly can't count on it. So like I said, Joe Douglas absolutely has his work cut out for him. He's got to add weapons around Aaron Rodgers. We know that Aaron Rodgers' top pass catcher is unquestionably going to be Garrett Wilson. But who will be the second best wide receiver on this team? You have to hope that it's not Alan Lazard because if it is, Jets are going to be in a lot of trouble. One name that you've heard over and over and over again is Devontae Adams, who I guess if he came here would be the number one receiver. However you want to term it, it doesn't matter. Number one, number two, 1A, 1B. But Tom Telesco, the new general manager of the Vegas Raiders, poured some cold water on Jets fans' hopes about Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers' old friend from Green Bay, coming in to join the Jets. He was asked about trade rumors revolving around Devontae Adams, and Telesco said that Adams is not going anywhere, quote, he's a Raider, which is not a surprise. He gets along very well with Antonio Pierce. By all accounts, he's not looking for a trade, and if you're the Raiders, the only way you would even consider trading your best offensive player is if he pretty much demanded to be traded because it's a pretty big cap hit to move on from him right now. And if you're the Raiders, you're looking at this and saying, well, we came reasonably close to a playoff spot last year. Why not get a better quarterback this year? We've got some pieces and see what we can do. You're not going to give up on the season before it starts by getting rid of your best offensive player. Now, maybe it's a different conversation at the trade deadline, but for now, Everybody around the situation with the Raiders had been saying for a while that they didn't think Adams was going to get traded, and Tom Telesco laid it out as clearly as you can today. Yeah, and you know he was talking a little bit about his background, you know, prior to, to coming to the Raiders. And Indy, he had either Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne every year for 15 years that he was here. Then he goes to the Chargers, and it's Keenan Allen the whole time. He understands the value of having, you know, at least one of the, of those game-changing receivers on the field. There's no way, you know, he, he was very adamant. There's no way he's going to give up that guy in house. Now, like you said, Devontae pushes the issue, it changes the math. But so far, that doesn't seem to be the case. And again, Telesco, he, he mentioned it a ton. His history in this league, he's always been around. He's been fortunate enough. He's always been around top-flight guys. There's, there's no way he's just going to give one of them away. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Another general manager making some news today was Ryan Poles. We talked yesterday about all the whispers involving the number one overall pick, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams. Here's what Ryan Poles had to say about the situation. Quote, if we go down the road of trading Justin Fields, I want to do right by Justin. He said there's no timeline, but he understands that no one wants uncertainty. Quote, we'll move as quickly as possible. Poles also said he hasn't had any big time conversations with teams about the number one overall pick, but a lot of clubs have checked in to, quote, take the temperature says it would absolutely help the organization significantly to trade out. So what Poles is sort of doing here is he's letting you know that nothing's been decided yet, that they're still going through the process of figuring out what to do. But essentially what he's saying is they're aware that if they trade the number one pick, they could get a huge haul and that would be very helpful. Also understands that it would be helpful to the organization and to Justin Fields that if they are going to move on from him, they do it fairly quickly. Now, They have to decide on whether or not they want to pick up his fifth-year option by the beginning of the league year. So, realistically, that's their deadline to make this trade because otherwise that fifth-year option becomes guaranteed. So, I would think there will be a decision sometime within the next two weeks. And based on what Ryan Paul said, whether or not they're leaning in one direction, they understand that while they don't have a quote-unquote timeline, there's a reasonable time frame in which this has to occur. Yeah, you can kind of go back to last year and the way they handled things. They were pretty quick with, with dealing that number one pick. Once they made the decision, that's what they were going to do. Uh, you know, they understand, I think, as well as anybody, how, how much you need all this determined before you go into free agency. If Justin Fields is going to be your quarterback, then you're going to approach it a different way. If it's going to be Caleb Williams, you might have a different agenda ahead. And other teams are in the same boat. So the Bears know their offers are probably going to be better in these next two weeks than they're going to be once you roll into free agency as well because teams want to be able to set that ahead of time. You don't want to go into free agency wondering, okay, what are we going to do at quarterback? Sometimes you don't have a choice. You know, sometimes there's there's other things that work. If you need to sign a free agent quarterback, you can't obviously make that decision. If you're going to draft one uh, and you don't have number one overall pick, you can't you know, going to free agency with the idea it will definitely be this guy. Uh, but when you do control it the way the Bears do, I think it's always better to get that done before free agency rolls. We saw him do, I think it was what, March 11th or something like that last year, uh, right before the start of free agency when they made the trade with Carolina. I would expect the timeline is going to be really similar. I would assume there will be all kinds of talks this week with, with polls and, and, you know, pretty much every other team in, in the league about either the number one overall pick or Justin Fields, and then they'll probably go back to Chicago, spend you know a week to 10 days, and make a decision which of these passes is the best moving forward. And like we said yesterday, ultimately, the compensation for that number one overall pick is going to play a huge role. There's no question about that. But ultimately, it's going to be Poles' evaluation of Caleb Williams, I think, that, that really drives this. If he feels like that's a generational talent, I don't know if there's anything you can really offer a team to to move off that guy. If you don't or you feel like, as you said yesterday, the gap between Williams and Fields is not significant enough, now that compensation comes into play. But really, Poles is the only one that, that can answer that question because he's the only one 
that truly knows how he feels about Williams. Once he's made that call, though, I think you'll see them move quickly. They did last year. There's every reason for them and whoever their trade partner is going to be to have some expediency here and get this all done before free agency gets rolling. Speaking of what the Bears did last year, they traded the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, who now have Bryce Young, who they took first overall last year. Dan Morgan, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers today, said that Bryce Young is, quote, just one piece of the puzzle when asked how much the NFL combine and offseason is about Bryce Young. Let's be honest about this one, George. Number one, you want to talk about an uphill climb. Dan Morgan's got an uphill climb because not only does he have Bryce Young, who looked terrible last year, but also no first-round pick. The number one overall pick went to Chicago in that trade, as we said. And so now, even if he wants to say that Bryce Young is just one piece of the puzzle, and in one sense that's true, in another sense, he is the puzzle. Because if they can't figure out how to get him to improve, if they can't get him anywhere near where they thought that he would be when they traded up to draft him at number one, they're screwed. There's really no way around it. So you can make all these other moves. And the reason why you can say it's not all about Bryce Young is because these other moves would help the team, but also help Bryce Young. So it's hand in hand. But if they don't get Bryce Young to where they need him to be, none of these other moves are going to ultimately matter much. Yeah, he's one really big piece of the puzzle. I mean, <laughs> he may be a piece, but it's it's a gargantuan piece. Uh, and it, like we were talking earlier with Tomlinson, you've got to be right. When you make these kind of massive trades that the Panthers made and you're giving up all the capital that they gave up with Chicago last year, you've got to be right. Because if you miss and if they can't figure out how to get Bryce Young playing at a high level, that sets you back five, 10 years. I mean, at the quarterback spot, you give up that kind of capital to get a guy and he's not the guy you expect him to be. It can tank a franchise. It'll be, you know, and I, I feel bad for Dan Morgan because he didn't make that decision. He wasn't here. Uh, in this role last year, he he wasn't involved in it, but it will really determine how long he's in his job. If they cannot turn things around, if they can't figure out a way with, as you said, limited assets this year to get Bryce Young up and running and get this franchise moving in the right direction, he's ultimately going to pay the price. Uh, they've also got a, another new head coach, which is a, a yearly thing out there, it feels like. Everything right now in Carolina feels like a madhouse at the moment. I mean, you just you're coming off the worst record in the league. Your quarterback, as you said, just did not show you anything near what you wanted to see from from the number overall pick. Now you got another rookie head coach. You don't have a first round pick. You, I guess they probably do have some cap money, so there's that uh, that, that they can work on. But how do you sell a free agent right now in this situation too? I and mean, that's the other part of it. You. You're going to have to do a really good job selling what the vision for the future is, why you believe Bryce Young's going to be better this year than he was last year. It's not going to be easy. And I do, I feel for for Dan Morgan because he didn't make any of this mess, but all of it now is, is you know, weighing heavily on him and his future. And as we've seen with David, David Tepper, not the most patient owner in the world either. So uh, that right now for me, that might be the toughest spot as a GM or a head coach to be in the league. Definitely a lot tougher than being the general manager of the Browns, which is the position occupied by Andrew Berry. The Browns seem to be on the rise. If they can get Deshaun Watson to be anything close to what he was before everything happened in Houston, back when he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, that team is going to be very, very tough to deal with. 
Andrew Berry talked today about something that I hadn't really thought about, but it was interesting. He wants a rule change to the trade deadline. He wants to push it back a little bit because he says that the league should account for the fact that there is now an extra week of the regular season, and it should also be proactive in case they decide to eventually go to an 18-game regular season, which I'm sure perked up the ears of the president of the Players Union. But the man does have a point here. They ended up adding an extra week on the season, they should probably push the trade deadline back a little bit to reflect that change. Yeah, absolutely. It's not something I really thought about either, but uh, first of all, Andrew Barry is a really, really bright guy. And so the league should probably listen to a lot of things that, that he wants to talk about. But this one I think makes a lot of sense. And, and you saw it last year. I don't know how many teams were impacted by the loss of their quarterback. Some of that was early in the year. Some of it was a little bit later in the year. You're never going to be perfect to where, you know, someone gets hurt in week 15, week 16, you're, you're not going to move it back that far. But I think giving teams the ability to to make changes as late in the season as reasonable is only going to help the end product, you know. And also the way the, the playoff chases go now, at one point there were three or four weeks to go in the regular season. There were still something like 12 of the 16 teams, maybe even more than that, in the AFC that were still alive and not just alive within like a game or two of a playoff spot. Um, And the NFC wasn't much different as far as how packed that is. So the point there is that I think it's taking longer for a team that that might give up on a guy to to do that. I mean, if you're in the playoff chase, take Devontae Adams. We were just talking about him. Take him, for instance, this year. If the Raiders are in that around 500 zone, and there, you know, you start to think about, well, should should we move on? Should we start getting ready for next year? I think that decision's coming later and later in the year because you do have the extra week. You also have the extra playoff spot that was added, what, two or three years ago, so that there's seven teams in each conference now. There, there's so much factoring in there, and I think it helps both ways. If you're the Raiders, you want more time. I'm not saying they're going to trade Adams. He's just a guy that comes to mind because – that's a team where you don't know. If they, if they get quarterback right, they could make a run. They could be a playoff team. If they don't figure out that quarterback spot, it could be a rough year for them. They could be in the same situation they were last year where, you know, you end up just playing out the string after the last couple of weeks of the year. I think that later trade deadline gives teams like that more time to make that decision. Are we truly a contender or are we better served moving on from a piece that maybe, you know, can help somebody else this year and could get us something in return rather than having that guy walk away in free agency. To me, there's just so many good reasons to move that back. Uh, And I would think most teams would be in favor of it. This is an interesting quote from John Schneider, the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks. He says, quote, I'm not concerned about it when asked about new head coach Mike McDonald and his staff not being at the scouting combine. Now, George, you know that people were making hay out of Robert Sala not being there. It was part of a PFT article. It was funny. It outlined all these coaches that weren't going to be there and for some reason singled out Robert Sala. Here's a list of some of the coaches that are not going to be there. Sean McVay, Mike McCarthy, Matt LaFleur, and Kyle Shanahan. Those are some of the best head coaches in the NFL. And obviously, as we know, Robert Sala was for a long time on the staff of Kyle Shanahan. He's also really good friends with Matt LaFleur, who is not going to be there. Matt LaFleur came up not only under Shanahan's system, but also then eventually moved on 
to work with Sean McVay, who's not going to be there. So I understand that the thought here is Robert Sala and his staff had some trouble this past year. There's been some question marks, and so you'd like to see them there. But Sala hasn't gone to this any of the years that he's been the head coach. And as I just said, plenty of heavy hitters are not going to this. They're just going to watch videotaped workouts and participate in virtual interviews. So if those guys aren't going, I don't see what the scandal is here. You could argue that Salah would benefit from it. But if all of these guys, including the head coach that Salah really learned under and the guy who is his best friend, Matt LaFleur, who's done pretty well in Green Bay, are not going, and they don't see the value in being there. I don't see why this becomes some sort of huge controversy. Nah, to me, it's a lot like you know some of the top players opting out of bowl games. There for a while, it was a shocking thing when it first started. Now, uh, it's more shocking when they don't. You know, and, and it, there was a huge scandal. You know, well, this affect their draft status. We've seen it doesn't. You know, I don't think anyone is looking at Marvin Harrison and saying, you didn't play in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, you're not a top five pick anymore. You're, you're sliding down the board. Uh, it's just one of those manufactured things that, that, that people want to get upset about. I think we've seen this trend happening for a little while. There are two schools of thought there. Some of the coaches say they still want to be there in person. They want to look eye to eye with these guys in, in the meetings, uh, you know, and, and be there to, to see firsthand, you know, in person comparing two wide receivers running the same drill, you know, maybe one after the other. Um, some of them find value in that. Some of them don't. And I think it's one of many things in, in the league that kind of changed for the pandemic year and never really went back. I think people kind of figured out, you know, it was a 2021 draft uh, that there wasn't even a combine before it. Uh, and, you know, you did everything sort of remotely. And I think people figured out you, we can do it this way. And and I think the guys that stay, part of that thought is you're what? Two weeks away from the start of free agency. You're working on your in-house guys still mm-hmm. right now. You're still in the middle of your draft prep and trying to get all that going. Sometimes those head coaches would rather still be in the facility, being able to handle all those multiple things that, that, that are on their plate this time of year, rather than being in Indy and being focused solely on the draft. I think, I don't think it's a right or wrong thing. I think it's a personal taste thing. Some coaches are always going to prefer to go and be there and network and, and see these guys firsthand and talk to them in person. And other guys are always going to say, you know what, I've got enough else going on. I don't need to spend a week in, in Indianapolis. I'll stay home and I'll handle all this other business as well. I think it's really up to the individual. And as you said, some really successful guys have, have chosen not to be there. So I don't think it's a situation where uh, it's it's handicapping you if, if you make the decision not to be there in person. Last note here, George, that pertains to the Jets a little bit. Bucks are releasing former Pro Bowl pass rusher Shaq Barrett, which will clear significant cap space. That will probably go towards trying to re-sign Baker Mayfield, but also it could go towards trying to re-sign Mike Evans. As of right now, the Bucks are probably not going to tag Mike Evans, and it looks like he's going to at least test the market, but he does love it in Tampa. He's been there his whole career. He's very well respected there. So you have to figure that there's still a very significant chance he stays there. The more cap space they clear, the more you would think it might tilt in that direction. Yeah, I would imagine they want both of them back. I know Baker has said that if he's back, he wants Evans there, which is kind of obvious. I don't think any quarterback would be saying, you know, get rid of my my number one guy. (laughs) 
Um, and I'm sure that that's what the Bucks are working toward, trying to bring them both back. I do think – I forget what the exact number is, but I think Evans' tag number is is really high because of his years in the league and some other things that factor into that. Um, it's, it's above that. It's not 21.8. It's not the normal receiver number. Um, and I think probably if you're Tampa Bay, you would rather avoid using that tag. So like you said, get as much – money cleared up as you can uh and then bring them both back and you know try to make another run at what right now is not the most imposing division in the nfl i mean i think if you're the bucks the way you finished last season if you can get mayfield and and evans back you're feeling pretty good about your chances of returning to the postseason george bremer of cnhi sports and the herald bulletin in anderson indiana thanks so much for coming on and talking about everything going on at the Combine with me, really appreciate it. We'll have more tomorrow. In the meantime, everybody that wants to follow what you're tweeting and everything you're writing over at the Herald Bulletin, how can they do that? Yeah, follow me uh, on social media at GM Bremer and then HeraldBulletin.com for the stories. We'll really start heating up here tomorrow with, uh, well, obviously from my standpoint, the Colts decision makers will be talking, but the prospects come in for the first time as well. So I think it's... Switched up a little bit this year, the the order, uh, which is going to be interesting. I think they're starting off with the defensive line and the linebackers. Uh, so, you know, it's always fun. It's an interesting time to hear what these guys have to say. It's the first time we and the media see a lot of them in person. And, uh, you know, it's always a big day. Well, you'll be hearing from not just Chris Ballard, but Joe Douglas, the Jets general manager, will be talking tomorrow. So George and I will talk all about that and so much more. Make sure that you come back tomorrow for that. Also, check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital, playlikeajet.com.